Hello. And welcome to Are You Karate Kidding Me? Your source for news, reviews, recaps, and items of interest from all around the Miyagi-verse. I'm your host, Colin Kennedy. I am Jenny Carlson. And we are here once again on our on our BS, trying to recap and review every episode of Cobra Kai Season 3. The time dilation effect of travel through the Miyagi-verse means that it takes you exactly the amount of time to arrive at your next destination as it takes the showrunners to make new episodes. We are filling this time with recaps of Season 3. Absolutely. What is the term? Let's say it's... Cobra Kai's paradox. The closer we get to a season four, we can only cover half the distance. So we'll never quite reach season four, but we will recap all the season three episodes before season four comes out. Before season four's event horizon sucks us in. Exactly. At present, we do not know when that will happen. And the showrunners, or at least John Hurwitz, have said that, that he doesn't know when that's happening. But we are given to understand that that will take place in the fall of 2021 and here we are in early summer just holding on for dear life i believe it now that cobra kai is on netflix everything is handled by a mysterious algorithm that no one can parse it's in the it's in the hands of powers that are beyond our understanding no one wants to understand them Except when we get cool little teasers dropped, like the big reveal of the past couple weeks. Oh, ho, ho, now we're on it. Okay, so yes, yeah, so we did get a teaser. They're giving us just enough to keep our appetites sated during Wetted. the- Yes. Oh, yes, just enough to keep our appetites wetted during the summer. They have dropped a very scary teaser trailer, which is uh, a mysterious- not so mysterious figure because then we immediately get Terry Silver voiceover from the Karate Kid 3 recapping us on all of Silver's rules. Indeed, the Quicksilver yeah. method. You the Quicksilver method, mm-hmm. yes. We get we get a quick recap of the Quicksilver method. So, it looks like we might be getting Thomasy and Griffith back in season 4 as Terry Silver. Confirmed, as he has also said in a video posted I think to the Cobra Kai account. And if you thought that teaser of Terry Silver was chilling, just wait until you see the Lego version of it at the Lego Cobra Kai Twitter account, which turned my blood to ice in my veins. Absolutely. In the cutest way possible. Yes. But it leads to the question, if <laughs> Terry Silver is coming back, can Robin Lively be far behind? I would be down for that. I would be down for that, too. Heck I mean, yeah. you can't have a Chosen without Kamiko. Maybe you can't have a Terry Silver without a Jessica. Not to think on that. Hmm. Just saying. I mean, everyone knows that the Miyagi-verse needs good pottery. That's right. And we don't know where yes. Daniel gets those pots that he keeps well, in the back of the dealership. Cobra Kai's been going through all sorts of clay goods. <laughs> That's true. They destroyed that bonsai tree in the last episode. They, they keep the kilns firing over yes. at Cobra Kai. Exactly. But in the meantime, we must talk about season three. That's what we're here to recap. And before we get into it, we should also add that there's a ton of Emmy buzz this year for Cobra Kai that has been deserved for all of the seasons. But finally, now that we've arrived on Netflix and more than a few of us have watched this show, it's delightful to see both Ralph Macchio and Billy Zabka getting the Emmy buzz they deserve, getting great interviews, particular shout out to Billy's interview with Mark Maron, to see them and the show getting treated seriously and taken seriously as more than just the sum of its inspiration, is really exciting. You love to see it. You love to see it. And so, speaking of things we love to see, when we last left our heroes, Daniel was still bumming around in Okinawa, but there was trouble brewing at home. Should we jump right back into it? I think so. All right, well then, let's jump right back in to Cobra Kai, Season 3. Episode 5, Miyagi-Do. Although we don't quite jump right into the episode, we actually get a flashback. Indeed. To Karate Kid 2, Okinawa 1985. We see Kumiko preparing to do the fan dance in, what did we call this? Oh, Castle Mat Painting? Yes, Castle Mat Painting is apparently also a set. But here comes Kumiko in the middle of the dance. Here comes Chosen riding on the karate zip line using a knife. Wearing his full Scorpion from Mortal Kombat outfit. Get over here. Scorpion wins. Indeed. And 
Minus he's, the mask. He's holding Kumiko at knife point, threatening Daniel. If he crosses the bridge, he will kill her. And of course, this is the moment where Mr. Miyagi says to Daniel, It's not tournament. It's for real. So this is how the show is letting us know the history between Chosen and Daniel since Chosen had showed up at the end of the previous episode. And you also know it's not a tournament because Daniel's wearing his very stylish 1985 Circa Miyagi-Do branded smoking jacket, the kimono thing. Yeah. It's a rat outfit. You also know it's not a tournament because Yuki is weeping as they fight. And Mr. Miyagi pulls out the drum to give Daniel the strength, the encouragement, and also the tips he needs to finish Chosen off. The not-so-subtle hint to use the second secret Miyagi technique, the drum technique. And so here we go. Before we lead into present day Miyagi verse, we're going to see Daniel kicking Chosen's ass by basically swinging his arms back and forth like a drum. And down goes uh, Yuji Okamoto as Daniel asks him if he wants to live or die. And Chosen's answer in the past was to die. And the dramatic music continues into present day as we see a now uh, fully adult chosen in a very stylish Hawaiian shirt and a belted slacks combo approach Kamiko and Daniel at the bar. Daniel fists clenched in a fighting stance. But chosen bows to him, always looking in the eye, of course. And here comes the Cobra Kai title card. Yep. Meanwhile, back at the receipt of flats, Johnny is coming up into Miguel's apartment saying it's time to... I'm going to work those gimpy legs like a rented mule. Yeah. It's grim. Several points for enthusiasm, minus several hundred points for tact there. Johnny is racking up the Archie Bunker XP. There's a lot of presidents done a lot worse than President Nixon. Like who? Well, like a lot of them. Like, uh, well, for instance, the guy, that uh, that guy. He barges in on Miguel's physical therapy where he's being attended to by this attendant, which I don't even know. Uh, His name is Braden. Braden is played by John Wincher, who uh, is an actor and mocap artist. Um, and also just he might have the distinction of being Cobra Kai actor whose IMD headshot looks the least like the character he plays in Cobra Kai. It's really quite something. It is quite something. And it's worth noting that also in IMDb, his nickname is listed as Johnny Tsunami. Yes, he's being attended to by attendant Braden. And this guy is very. looks very much like a California hippie wearing lots of beads. He greets Johnny and says mahalo as he works on... Miguel's legs and tells Miguel to breathe and inhale joy and love. Brayden evil Hayden? Anyway, Brayden uses a lot of hippie language and also speaks Spanish with Miguel, which is sort of like presuming a sort of bro kinship that might be too much. Johnny is obviously disgusted by this, but Carmen pulls him aside and tells him, You clearly have an opinion about his methods. He's here to help Miguel while Johnny's part of Miguel's rehabilitation this guy is a trained professional. So what we've learned from this interaction is not only Carmen is getting home health help from her work for Miguel on, on a schedule that is somewhat inconvenient, but also that despite Carmen's reservations about Johnny, Miguel wants Johnny to be part of what's coming next. The short answer is there's a lot of tood being thrown around this apartment. So much tood. Yeah, Johnny's tood is what's with this guy, right? Carmen's tood is very sensible coming from her background as a nurse. She's like, yeah, we're gonna do normal physical therapy things until Miguel is able to recover from the surgery and possibly walk again, question marks? I've never heard you say tood before, so attitude works well. Miguel probably has my favorite attitude in this apartment, which is kind of bemusement with Johnny for getting annoyed at Braden and his easygoing PT ways. Well, Miguel is over it all. He's over Braden. He sees his overtures as shallow, but he's also there to try. But I think Braden's quote-unquote tood is just stoned. Like, he's just a, a shallow stoner who knows how to rotate somebody's leg. Yep, that's a physical therapist, you, all right. You know, if Mr. Miyagi were here, he would just set Miguel right, right? That's what oh, we yeah. have to believe. Palm technique and you're done. Meanwhile, in juvenile detention... Crease has Robbie as a captive audience regaling him with the story of Johnny's first attorney against Vidal. Robbie's like, cool story, bro. Try telling it to someone who gives a shit. 
Indeed. Yeah, Crease is trying to sensei Robbie's visiting hours here. Crease tells Robbie he heard Miguel made the first move, and Robbie tells him he's wasting his time. The last thing I need is another sensei. And Crease responds that all that Miyagi Do mumbo jumbo might score you points in the tournament, but in the real world, you need to strike first. I have to say the use of mumbo jumbo there is really smart because it, it marks him squarely as a boomer. I have to say, Kreese really knows how to work people with tough backgrounds. If someone's been through a rough time, he's there to say exactly the, the sweet nectar that they need. They're a rife source for his dojo. I'm sure this is just one stop on his tour of all the juvenile correction facilities this afternoon. It's true he's in recruitment mode. <laughs> exactly. He's got to build out those ranks. we got to get built up for the next tourney. Exactly. Meanwhile, in the garden of the Miyagi-Do Joe, Sam is leading Miyagi-Do students in an ad hoc training exercise. Chris is getting dropped to the crown because Sam is showing the guys how to incorporate more offense. So Sam has promoted herself to assistant sensei, or rather, I guess, assistant to the sensei. Assistant to the sensei? That's pretty cool. Assistant sensei. Okay. And she has the whole gang back in training, just like Police Academy. But... They're busted by Amanda and Anthony. Amanda's here with the trademark realness, and Anthony is about to become a tall, post-pubescent drink of water, but he's eating what looks like a paleta, like a frozen treat, to connect us back to his prior food-motivated behavior. Hey, Anthony. Good to see you here. He's changed so much. It's good to see Griffin Sam Pietro back regardless. Anthony's doing what Anthony's always going to do, which is basically show up to parrot Amanda. You could have got suspended again. I thought you were smarter than that. Very disappointed in you. Go wait in the car, Anthony. As she chastises Sam. With double the sass. I mean, he's got the sass from both his parents, right? He's all sass. But, I mean, the challenge for the Cobra Kai showrunners is really if they can bring the show to a satisfying conclusion before Griffin Santo Pietro is eight feet tall. We will see you later in the season, Griffin. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, Amanda asks Sam what's wrong with her, and she says that if she thinks... And if you really think the karate is the problem, then you have not been paying attention. Understandable. Meanwhile, halfway across the world in Tomi Village Green, Okinawa, Daniel is attempting to make small talk with the unsmiling chosen who insists on buying him drinks in a very menacing way okay i'm gonna get myself another drink no i will get yeah chosen has no wife no kids and he has kumiko and daniel trapped in an awkward conversation and daniel asks kumiko for help and she replies that she called chosen because it seems you two have lots to talk about yeah kumiko has some sort of wry plan here because Daniel is completely flabbergasted that she thinks that Chosen would make a good lunch date. It's always delightful to see Ralph Macchio playing flustered Daniel because he's been doing it the same way, understandably, that's Daniel, since 1984. Yeah. She says it's been a long time and Chosen's changed, but Daniel replies, I know all there is to know about grudges. It's almost like he's talking about someone else. Mmm... Yeah, so Chosen insists on getting Daniel this drink, brings it back to him, and Kumiko basically bails and asks if Chosen can show Daniel around while she runs errands. Yeah, Kumiko knows that the Tomi Village record shop has garbage on a limited edition pink vinyl. She's got to get over there because her pre-order just came in. I'm only happy when it rains. She does have exquisite taste. Exactly. She has a curbside or something to get to, so she leaves the two alone to catch up. Daniel asks Chosen if he's going to drink, and Chosen replies that he does not drink. He is not a happy camper. Meanwhile, back in Reseda Flats in the courtyard, our P.T. Braden tells Miguel that he crushed it, but Miguel doesn't feel... Didn't feel like I did much of anything. Yeah, Braden the hippy-dippy PT man was not what Miguel needs right now. And as Miguel heads back towards the apartment, he sees a fake Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue. I can't tell if that's real. He sees the generic swimsuit summer magazine levitate into view. Johnny has a special surprise for Miguel. He's using a fishing pole to try to dangle this swimsuit issue over Miguel's head. Uh, And Miguel grabs for it as the Oh Yeah song from the Ferris Bueller's Day Off soundtrack plays. Yeah, by Yellow. Yes, exactly. Miguel reaches, reaches, and then falls forward. I like Johnny's assertion that porn is better on the page. Johnny likes his erotic material in analog form. It's got a real warm feel to it. He's a real porn hipster. Oh, yes. So that's a little dispiriting. Johnny picks Miguel up. 
settles him back in the chair and says, give me a minute, we'll go again. I think I still have my Vanna White Playboy. I'll get you going. I like the idea that that learning to walk again is basically like dealing with erectile dysfunction. I like the idea that Johnny just thinks he pulled the wrong source material. He's like, we're, we're going to go through this with every single magazine I have until we get something that gets you out of that chair. Ah, <laughs> uh, cut back to Okinawa. Actual Okinawa, because wow. this is a scene that they flew to Okinawa to shoot with a skeleton crew, including Hayden Schlossberg got to go. And is taking Daniel up to what Colin refers to as a makeout point, which is a beautiful scenic overlook over the L- coast and islands. Look, I don't know if it's... <laughs> Okinawa's actual makeout point, but it definitely is a makeout point. I don't know if Daniel and Chosen intend to make out, but this is where karate was born. It is a great makeout point. They should at least make up. At any rate, Daniel says he's you know expresses relief that not all of Tomi Village is a shopping mall. Daniel reveals his karate bona fides by telling Chosen the story of the original Miyagi Shimpo Sensei, and they cut back and forth to Miyagi's original telling of it back in Karate Kid Two. One day, strong wind, strong sun, strong sake. Shinpo Sensei fall asleep off, off the coast, coast of Okinawa. Woke up off the coast of China. Ten years later, he came back with the secret of Miyagi family karate. And so, because Daniel can't resist talking about how he is basically Mr. Miyagi's heir, he says, Mr. Miyagi taught me everything he knew. Yes, I am the heir apparent to Miyagi-do. Indeed. And Chosen replies, so you know everything. So Chosen is not as impressed. Exactly. He's going to show Daniel a thing or two. That's right. I just want to pause for a minute because as they walk to go down to the place where Chosen is going to test Daniel, the music cue that they play, it's appropriate because we're recording this on Leo Bierenberg's birthday. The music cue that they play is straight out of Indiana Jones. Where are we going now? I don't know if it's in Raiders. It might be, but it's definitely in Last Crusade when they're doing a, a sort of move across a scenic overlook to then go into a quest Mm. challenge so that was a really neat moment that i bet they did on purpose because of who they are so with that lovely music cue we cut to a lovely japanese estate i'm thinking maybe this is miyagi-do east miyagi-do okinawa yeah if it's a franchise yep um it's like improv theaters they have them on different coasts or used to in the before time and now it's the same with Karate dojos. I mean, if Sato was the job of the hat of Okinawa, I guess this is Sato's palace. Indeed. And for the first time, I've seen this a million times, but I could just see behind Chosen as they were walking into the dojo, a regular looking kitchen with a roll of paper towels. Well, I mean, Chosen's given Daniel the tour. It's basically an episode of uh, MTV's Cribs up in here. So you want to see where the magic happens? But Daniel is very excited to be in this dojo because he sees that there is a box of scrolls. And Chosen explains that before Sato died, he gave him all the Miyagi-Do artifacts. Oh, he's got all the artifacts. That's right. I heard you like artifacts in your artifacts. That's right. I'm telling you. This is the second time I've had to reclaim my property from you. It belongs in a museum. So do you. Daniel thinks he's entitled to the scroll. You know, explains that Mr. Miyagi treated him like a son. They're basically karate cousins. Karate cousins and you're fine. They walk alike, they talk alike, they even do kata alike. What a crazy pair. Wow. (laughs) Meanwhile, back in juvenile detention, Robbie is Googling John Kreese like you would do. And the first couple of hits are from the tournaments in the early 80s, including Johnny's first victory and then his defeat as the mystery dojo with one student defangs cobras. It's old school headlines. What are the autocompletes for John Kreese? John Cole, John Khaled, John Krebs. John Kreese age, John Kreese quotes. We know a few of those. Yeah, we do. By heart, in fact. John Kreese feet. No! Has John Kreese been arrested? Yes. (laughs) I would say probably he should be. 
for corrupting the youth, but not in the Socrates sense. Mm. Not like Socrates. The only true wisdom consists in knowing that you know nothing. That's us, dude. Robbie's looking through old news archives about Crease's past, and he sees Johnny and Crease after the victory. Then he sees a related article about this mystery dojo with one student, a.k.a. Miyagi-Do. He doesn't want to look at Daniel, though. No. Uh- <laughs> so he, he switches to, to Gmail, where he sees a bunch of emails from all the LaRussos, except for Anthony. That's right. He's got emails from LaRussos, his mom. He starts to reply to Sam, apologizing for his radio silence. But before he can finish, womp womp, Sean shows up once again to harass and antagonize poor Robbie. He yanks the cord out of the wall, and the computer winks off. Goodbye. Yeah, this is so frustrating because it sounds like Robbie was going to have a moment of real emotional honesty and vulnerability in explaining that he'd been having a hard time to Sam. And Sean says he won't leave him alone. Robbie's always going to have to be looking over his shoulder. And Robbie looks at him and realizes that this is a good time to test out the Cobra Kai ethos of striking first. That's right. Sean tells Robbie he got lucky this time. Robbie clearly has some ideas in mind for Sean. I'm starting to think prison isn't a great place to be. Astonishing. Meanwhile, at Golf and Stuff. Hell yeah, Golf and Stuff. We missed you, Golf and Stuff. The greatest place on earth, Golf and Stuff. It's It's where fun goes to have fun. The Hawk and his minions are running through the Playland area and messing up everyone's games, only to land in the prize area where Chris is working. They vandalize stuff there, insult Chris's mom, and he texts Sam. Who's lying in bed being mad at her mom. Chris basically lights up the bonsai tree-shaped Miyagi-Do signal. Bonsai tree. And sends that SOS out to Sam, who's like, let's ride. Sam lets Chris know that she's on her way. Meanwhile, in the courtyard of Reseda Flats, Johnny is pouring lighter fluid on some charcoal and he asks Miguel if Miguel knows why they call it a hibachi and Miguel responds it's a kettle groom 100 years ago in ancient China Johnny's got some plan here he's cooking something on the hibachi but he uses this as a way in to start telling a when a drought came they needed to get water from the river none of the Chinamen wanted to do their work I'm not sure that's the appropriate term to use for China people whatever a bullshit story about the original hibachi, a... So a wise man gathered up a bunch of twigs and stuffed it under each of the villagers while they slept. Callback to the seemingly 100% accurate origin story of Miyagi-Do. Lit a fire under them? Exactly. That's where the expression comes from. Miguel knows it's a crock because it's premised on dairy farming in Japan, and of course... Except that hibachis are from Japan, not China. Do you think it's going to fall for that? No, but I knew you'd be too busy calling my bullshit to know what I was really up to. They can't resist doing this again where they show that Johnny is the inverse of Mr. Miyagi, right? Exactly. This is a great mirror of the other scene. Of course, while Miguel is distracted with Johnny being on his BS, Johnny takes the opportunity to set Miguel's shoes on fire. What did you do? Johnny thinks that this is going to get Miguel to move. Shake a leg. I can't. You can't if you want to. No, it's, it's all that I want. Which is, of course, ridiculous. Miguel responds, that's all he wants. Of course, this is all coming out because Miguel is struggling. Now his leg is on fire, and Johnny has to get the fire extinguisher and put it out. It's astonishing that Johnny even had the fire extinguisher handy, honestly. (laughs) True. Johnny opines that he really thought that would work, and tells Miguel to go inside and get another pair of shoes, because he's going to keep setting Miguel's shoes on fire all afternoon until this works, damn it. No, Miguel just heads out, because he's over it all. Why is nothing working? It's fine. I should probably just clean up before my mom gets home. Johnny stands there looking dejected. I know how he feels. Anyway, back at Sato's Palace. A.K.A. Miyagi-Do Okinawa. In Japan. Daniel just wants to see them scrolls, baby. Yeah, but they're bowing. Daniel does not want to do this. As they begin to fight and kick and repeat some of the moves from their previous fights... Chosen's like, your sensei did not teach you everything. Daniel can't believe that this more offensive style is Miyagi-Do. It seemed like self-defense to me. Defense takes on many forms. 
The voiceover continues. The Miyagi ancestors fought Japanese invaders. The only way to survive is to kill. As Chosen and Daniel fight outside with what looks like poles. Yeah, we just got some a good old-fashioned homemade bow staffs here. What uh, Donatello used to use? This is my favorite turtle. For you Ninja Turtle fans out there. I like turtles. But yeah, no, this is a beautifully shot fight scene here where we're kind of montaging in and out from the indoor studio to the outdoor platform where they're fighting with weapons. There doesn't really seem to be any specific references in this, the way that the soccer match was clearly a nod to Shaolin soccer last episode, but I do get some very old school Bruce Lee movie vibes. Like, I could definitely see this being like a set piece in a late 70s, early 80s kung fu. So Miyagi instructors came up with special techniques designed to kill their enemies. I just have to say that that Daniel and Chosen are both kicking ass in this scene. Like, they're dropping each other, they're fighting. If there was any doubt that Ralph Macchio could do karate, at least for the purposes of Cobra Kai, dispel that doubt, because he's doing such a great job. They are nailing it. And it's very intense, because they're having this conversation about why didn't Mr. Miyagi tell Daniel this? Mr. Miyagi never told me about any of this. Maybe he thought you were not ready, or not able. You know, maybe he was trying to protect me. Chosen is like kind of playing with Daniel, casting doubt on him. Well, Chosen's got a great little monologue here. Essentially, we get Chosen's voiceover while they're doing this fight. Daniel's original point was that Miyagi-Do is supposed to be for defense only, and Chosen's like, no, no, no. Mr. Miyagi told you that it was for defense only, but Miyagi-Do was invented back by Miyagi's ancestors, who needed advanced fighting techniques for aggressors and invaders. Special techniques designed to kill invaders, in fact. People who won't stop. People who are determined to kill you, right? That's right. Daniel says, we're not living hundreds of years ago anymore, so there's no reason to kill. But Chosen said, still, sometimes you have no choice. And Chosen winds up to take Daniel down. Daniel's watching. This is now all outside. We see Chosen winding up to come in on Daniel. Daniel's waiting to see what he'll do. And Chosen's action is to block Daniel and then hit him in points on his arms and legs where he becomes numb. What did you do? And you see Daniel looking on dumbfounded as his limbs fail to move as they should. That's right. And as his limbs go limp, the score swells dramatically. It's so good. As Chosen grabs Daniel and is about to deliver the killing blow. Chosen grabs Daniel by the hair, pulls it back, raises his hand up behind his head, just like Daniel had done at the end of the Karate Kid Part 2, and he says he's waited a long time for this. I have waited a long time for this. Chosen asks Daniel, live or die, man. And as he comes in, he does not, in fact, knock Daniel out. Honk! Rather honks his nose. Miyagi did it to Kreese. Yep. Daniel did it to Chosen. Now, now, Chosen done it to Daniel. And this is my favorite bit about Chosen's character is like the minute this happens he drops the entire facade and we learn now that guys Chosen's fun not only is is he fun Chosen respects the fucking long gag like he's been playing Daniel all effing day and it is amazing (laughs) yes he has (laughs) and he's delighted with Daniel he's delighted with that they've had this chance and Daniel asks Chosen to show him these secret Miyagi-Do pressure points, and Chosen agrees. It's just a wonderful scene. Maybe my favorite scene in the whole season, and we can talk more about it at the end, but it, the music is so great. Mm-hmm. The music is so great because it, it brings the the existing Cobra Kai theme together with some cues from the original Karate Kid movies, but also has this element of, like you said, these more classic martial arts films. Like, Daniel has has come kind of to the ashram here, mm-hmm. right? If this were an old-school martial arts film, this is where he would be coming to gain the new knowledge he needs. Yeah, it definitely has those vibes. But we're going to have to put a pin in that because now we have to cut back to Johnny's apartment in beautiful Southern California where Johnny is making a list of how to fix Miguel's legs. He goes through all the obvious electric shock, hypnosis, acupuncture. Tony Robbins. And LSD. LSD. Well, uh, at least he knows how to spell it. Indeed. Nothing like a little LDS. He crumbles the list up in dismay and glances over to see his much 
maligned laptop, which was just sitting in the trash. And but once he realizes all he needs to do is charge it up, he jumps on WebMD. WebMD. Uh, well, he Google's first how to make legs work again, which you know you got to be real careful with that. Johnny, make sure your safe search is on. Wow. Uh, <laughs> Johnny is at the webum trying to understand when he hears the sound of crying and looks outside through his vertical blinds to see Carmen standing in the courtyard weeping where Miguel can't see her. It's going to get better, you know. He'll walk again. For now, I'd just like to see him smile again. He's 17 years old. He should be out carefree having fun johnny offers her the usual johnny style platitude saying that he'll walk again but then carmen says she'd be happy if only he'd smile again i i think this is a super important scene because johnny realizes that maybe the goal isn't to get miguel back on his feet maybe it's to get his heart back in the game first. I think this is an important moment for Johnny because Johnny has been trying to make it right. And for him, making it right is like making everybody whole again the same way they were. But in reality, what Johnny needs to do to support Miguel is to just relate to Miguel as his sensei. So the penny drops for Johnny and he asks Carmen if he can borrow Miguel for a few hours. Meanwhile, back at Golf and Stuff, Sam and the Miyagidos have arrived to come to Chris's rescue. They've got to figure out where the Cobras have gone. Chris says they've retired to the old laser pl- tag place next door. Laser tag champion Jamie Jaron is the sole possessor of starlight power. Join us now in their adventure through time and keep the peace established by the Laser Tag Academy. Now, it's unclear whether this is actually a part of golf and stuff or there just happened to be a laser tag place next door to the golf and stuff but regardless it's not on school property so sam thinks this is their chance to to fight back exactly and sam is going to take it at the laser tag place next door cobras are about to enjoy warm beers who the hell wants a warm beer okay when the lights cut out and sam and the guys walk in bathed in fluorescent light hawk asks sam what she wants and sam replies payback Nice. Meanwhile, in juvenile detention, Robbie has come to go for the bullies all in one fell swoop. That's right. Robbie enters the common room and then jump kicks Sean in the face and then sweeps the leg on two of his henchmen, I guess. And now we begin to cross cut between these two fights, one in the old abandoned laser tag arena and one back at a juvenile detention. Got Robbie and Sean doing all their own stunts here. These guys are actually doing their own fight choreography, which is particularly impressive when, you know, Tanner Buchanan does things like flip off a wall at one point. That's pretty rad. Hanging out around set has really paid off for that guy. This is a really interesting sequence of them fighting, and everybody gets kind of paired with their key antagonist in the Cobra Kai Miyagi-Do fight. You have Chris versus Mitch, you know, former friends, duking it out. A minute ago, there was Sam versus Hawk. These two fights are are sort of funhouse mirror inverses of fights we saw in the fifth episodes of seasons one and two. Uh, in season one, it was Miguel against everybody else, which is sort of what Robbie's playing out. Mm. And in the old laser tag gallery it is like the mall fight again but in this case what looks like a win may not be a win in this case just as sam is getting the upper hand in the fight we see tori come in with backup for the cobra kais in lockup it takes way too long for the guards to lock down this common room like this fight goes on for a while it takes way too long for the guards to come in and lock down the room and all the while these fights are happening there are guitar riffs that sort of recall the moody blues song i think from karate kid part two mm-hmm. as well as prior fight sequences and so tori and her seconds are there it's all gotten real every miyagi Do has one or two cobras tagging them and and like every time tori gives into the dark side her hair is suddenly incredible that's the signifier for sure. As the fight turns in Cobra Kai's favor, the appearance of Tori really triggers Sam, who's terrified, and she goes to hide. Meanwhile, Mitch and the other guy gang up on Chris. 
Hawk intercepts a punch by Dimitri and throws him to the ground, pinning him. As, as Sam's panic takes over, uh, she's flashing back to the fight in the stairwell at the end of season two when Tori was threatening her with a spiked bracelet. Meanwhile, the Cobras are dropping Dimitri to the ground, twisting his arm back. So now the Cobras have Dimitri, Sam's hiding, all the other Miyagi-Dos are incapacitated. Sam's the only one who could do anything, but Tori just turns to taunting her. And there's sort of a parallel moment with both Robbie and Sean pinned to the ground by the guards in juvenile detention. And they kind of give each other a look, like we've just had a weird prison bonding moment well and robbie is bleeding and he smiles and you can see that kind of like tory right like he gets his groove back by giving into the dark side as well now you see that evil will always triumph because good is dumb meanwhile back at the laser tag gallery or whatever it's called the laser tag place the laser tag academy Dimitri is lying on the ground pleading with Hawk, calling him Eli because Hawk is yanking his arm back, preparing to break it. And as all the Cobra Kai's egg him on, led by Tori, uh, Hawk breaks Dimitri's arm and we hear an audible crunching sound. We get that celery snap. So they leave him there and they're all congratulating him and he looks like he's won a major award while Dimitri lays on the floor in pain. But we see a little bit of ambivalence cross a Jacob Bertrand's face because he's such a great actor and he kind of just looks there and then heads off. Meanwhile, in her hiding place, Sam is still sitting on the ground sobbing. We'll find out what happens to them after going back to Okinawa where Daniel and Chosen are descending from another scenic overlook or perhaps it's the pathway to Miyagi-Do Okinawa location. Chosen tells Daniel that Miyagi was a man of great honor and Chosen also says that after a fight, I felt great shame. I wanted to die. He says that my uncle saved me, gave me a chance to prove myself. I spent my life trying to do just that. Wow, thanks, Sato. Miyagi. Miyagi! Miyagi! I wait long time for this. Yep, thank you, Sato. Now we really are happy we made a theme for you. So Chosen tells Daniel that he's spent his life trying to do just that, but regret is sometimes difficult to overcome. And Daniel says, I understand. And if it means anything, Chosen, I, I forgive you. So this is very sweet because, you know, they're basically playing out a conversation that Daniel and Chosen had to have, but that Daniel and Johnny also need to have, right? Mm-hmm. Daniel tells Chosen, you were only doing what your sensei told you to do. But Chosen also, interestingly, his point feeds back onto an understanding of how the sensei can also change, right? Because he says that Sato gave him another chance. So it's not just how you deal with what your sensei told you. It's also the relationship you have with them. And then Daniel says, if only every rivalry could end like this. Even Daniel is thinking about the idea of the need for him and Johnny to change. If Daniel and Chosen can make up, I guess anything is possible. I remember being so scared of that guy when I was a kid. I know, right? Daniel invites Chosen to meet him with Kumiko one more time before his flight. But Chosen has a class to teach because he's he's a karate professor, y'all. Uh, and he shows Daniel the way to the taxi stand. And Daniel says that he would thank him, but he kicked his ass today. So he's going to say goodbye. And they have a very kind of sweet tentative goodbye. But then as Daniel walks off looking satisfied, Chosen looks conflicted and then reaches into his satchel. Yeah, Chosen's like one more thing. And he gives Daniel a scroll to keep for his collection. Is this a Chekhov scroll? Is this just a scroll of the crane technique or something that Daniel already knows? Or could this be a scroll for yet another secret Miyagi-Do technique that might come into play later? We'll find out in season four. I guess so. So Daniel walks off after they bow. Chosen looks very satisfied. Meanwhile, back in the valley, Johnny is bringing Miguel in his wheelchair into what looks like the back hallway of a motorcycle place bunch of dudes in vests and leather a lot of denim a lot of bracelets a lot of extras dressed for the club milling about for sure and johnny makes a very strange play when they hit the bouncer at the end of the hall the bouncer's like no way but johnny has a line about miguel being a -a make-a-wish kid and this is his last stop is to come in and see this show. And when we open the door, we realize, guys, we're at a D. Snyder show. That's right. D. Snyder is singing The Kids Are Back, and everybody's dancing because it is a bop. As everyone rocks along, Miguel asks Johnny how this is part of his treatment, and, and Johnny's like, it's not. 
And so Johnny pops beers. Johnny remembered an ice pack, y'all. That's right. Um, and says this is a Separate part of Mc- from the men from the boys. Exactly. And says this isn't really part of Miguel's treatment. They're just here to have fun. They're rocking along. And now that Miguel's out of the hospital and partying, we must now cut back to West Valley General Hospital because Sam is there with Dimitri. Dimitri is elsewhere being worked on. Amanda runs in, enraged that there has been another karate fight. Amanda comes in hot. What the hell were you thinking? But Sam is already a mess. It broke Dimitri's arm. We just wanted to show that we couldn't be bullied. The sight of a completely distraught Sam, she changes her tune. Amanda does what she does best and brings the realness. When Amanda's this upset, you know, you can see that she's ready to kill somebody. That's when you know it's real bad. Meanwhile, in juvenile detention, Sean and Robbie are done being disciplined and they're walking off and Robbie asks Sean why he didn't tell on Robbie and Sean said, I'm no snitch. Robbie says, Me neither. And they nod at each other with a new understanding. They bond over their shared love of criminality. Meanwhile, back at the D. Snyder Show. While Johnny's son is in juvenile detention, figuring it out through the way of the fist. Johnny and his surrogate son, Miguel, are rocking out, taking a selfie. Johnny says he wants a copy, and Miguel says he'll tag him on Facebook. Of course, Johnny doesn't know what tagging is and thinks he doesn't have Facebook anyway. But Miguel explains, actually, you don't need your phone for Facebook. D. Snyder has heard that there's a -a Make-A-Wish kid in the crowd and says, Ladies, let's make that kid's wish come true. Wow. Yeah. Boy, and the ladies really do seem quite charmed by Miguel. I mean, who wouldn't? Sholo is gorgeous. D. Snyder then segues into, I want to rock. We all want to rock. After Miguel gets over all the attention, he too begins to rock. And as they begin bopping along, Johnny looks down and sees that Miguel's foot is unconsciously tapping. He shows that to Miguel and everyone is excited. Miguel discovers that the power of rock allows him to groove again. Meanwhile, back at Tommy Village Green... Daniel has caught back up to Kamiko. She's very excited because she has Breeder's Last Splash on 25th Anniversary Edition color vinyl. But, oh, also she's brought a friend with her. First, she wants to know where Chosen is, and she tells Daniel that she guesses they learned something from each other. And Daniel said, that was your plan, huh? So Kamiko is really here to help. Now, she's brought this friend. She introduces Daniel, says it's a friend of theirs. Daniel doesn't recognize her. And the woman explains. It's been a long time since we met. I was a child then, and it was during a typhoon. That's right, gang. Through a quick flashback to Karate Kid 2, we realize that Yuna, our new friend, is actually also known as Bell Girl from, if you remember what we dubbed her in that episode. Yuna? Yes, they got Tracy Taguchi, uh, now all grown up, and Daniel feels a way... We do. We're delighted to see this character. We never thought we'd see this character again. And yet here she stands. Daniel's delighted to give her a hug. Her English is so perfect. She says that I work in international sales. Perfect English comes in handy. She is, in fact, the senior vice president of sales for Doyona International. What? What? And Kumiko slyly, sweetly says, None could have nice to put the good out into the world and good will come back to you. Daniel confirms Mr. Miyagi was right for loving her and looks very fond of Kumiko also as he says that. Then he offers to buy Yuna a drink and he says, we have a lot to talk about. And she said, I hope so. I'm about to save your business. Just to drive the point all the way home. Meanwhile, back at Cobra Kai in California, Amanda has brought a big bag of her realness right to Crease's doorstep. Exactly. She walks in to see where Crease is, and he walks in from the special ops room covered in sweat, saying, We're closed, darling. Well, if you've got a youngster you'd like to put on the list for karate lessons. Amanda has no time for his bullshit. You know, he's already trying to see if he can enroll her kid. He doesn't know who she is yet. Mm-hmm. But she says... Is one of those lessons how to jump a bunch of kids and break one of their arms? And you can already see Crease shifting gears and saying that the kid must have had it coming. Amanda has no time for Crease's BS and calls him out for teaching his students to break Dimitri's arm. After he identifies her as Miss LaRusso and laughs evilly, he taunts her by asking if little Daniel isn't enough to fight his own battles. And that's when she calls him Rambo because, hey, Rambo, kids are getting hurt. 
call off your band of karate thugs are going to call the police. This is a nice reference given that Cove was in Rambo, although technically Rambo First Blood Part 2, but still. It's a hell of a combination. So he comes in to tell her, You're a feisty little one. Like the droid overlord from Return of the Jedi. But you'll soon learn some respect. He's about to tell her that he likes that. But I like that. But she slaps him before he can. I like it. I don't give a shit what you like. She tells him he's a sociopath and she's going to shut him down. That's the last thing I do. Of course, instead of clutching the lapels of his gi, he clutches the towel that's wrapped around his neck and looks thoughtful. Meanwhile, back at Casa de Miguel at Resida Flats, Carmen is thrilled at what the power of rock can do for Miguel. We all are, but she's excitingly asking Miguel to move his foot again. And, of course, Johnny, again, channeling Return of the Jedi, tells Miguel not to get too cocky. Thank you so much. Told you he was a fighter. Don't get too cocky. We still got to get you out of that chair. Of course, not everything is a Star Wars reference. That's just something Johnny would say. Great kid. Don't get cocky. Johnny returns to his own house to check his Facebook. But as he walks off, Carmen looks at him. Johnny heads back towards his own house, but Carmen looks after him, clearly becoming fonder of him again. Now that he's back home, he checks his Facebook to find that Miguel's tagged him in a photo. He's going to figure out how these tags work. What the hell is a tag? And in going through his Facebook account, discovers he has a friend request from one Allie Mills Schwarber whose profile photo is now just two dogs. No husband with her, and she has recently posted a picture of herself smiling to her wall, and she looks just gorgeous. She posted her resume headshot to the wall. Indeed. It's like no time has passed. Johnny resists the boomer urge to like every single photo on her page. And there's the end snake, as Johnny seems, what, I would say, what was the look on his face there? Johnny seems bemused. And with that, we conclude Kokai season 3 episode 5 Miyagi-Do So Colin what's your reaction to this episode There's a lot to unpack I knew we would be happy to see Kamiko back I never expected to be as happy to see Chosen back and the twist that they decide to do with him is a delightful turn and I feel like it's super appropriate but also builds the universe out in an important way i just thought this episode was it's probably my favorite of the season i think i've already said that but it's it's there's so much going on it's miyagi-do centric to a certain degree you know we get to go to okinawa and daniel makes his peace with chosen you know you really couldn't ask for a a, a bigger delight for longtime fans of the miyagi verse to see these guys come together and put their rivalry aside and to see that someone even as unhinged as Chosen was can can find redemption, right? And find peace. Mm-hmm. And to see Daniel get his business back is also fantastic. But that's really exciting. And I think there's just so many important plot developments. You know, the show was really juggling a lot of characters. And that's a big challenge for them. And they manage it pretty well here. I want to go back to what you were saying about the reality effect. Because I think that is definitely something that this episode bumps up against pretty hard which is kind of the gulf between what it is to be a modern tv show and the source material because it's like if you look at the original karate kid movies they're very much hero's journey very much plot driven i mean obviously the characters needed to react and interact in in meaningful true ways But there was a little element of a fantasy to them. And there was a little element of kind of romanticizing in those that when you're doing a modern television show, especially a show that has to spend hours and hours kind of going over and building out this world, you know, you will start to see where the cracks form between the romanticism and the realism. They kind of push things as far as they can with Sam and her PTSD. And I think it's important to show this. The way they handle it is very respectful of the character and of the actress. Mary Mauser has to do a lot of work in this episode to portray Sam. And it shows. Like, she's doing a a stand-up job with that. I think on the other end of the spectrum is this idea that 
We're trying to get Miguel to recovery. And I think it's a bit of the plot dog wagging the characterization tale where it's <laughs> like, this is a show about karate dojos. Unless Miguel is up on his feet, what utility does he have as a character? And they kind of bump right up against this idea, which is the idea of Miguel needs to get right with his situation and get himself emotionally balanced before and not put all the emphasis on the physical therapy and you know being physically better because the physically better could take a long time we don't in real life my reaction is yeah you're right they're dealing with the younger characters emotional lives and they're mm -hmm. they're putting a lot on the table and posing a lot of of questions or putting up provocations for what it is to be young and dealing with hard stuff yeah, the the degree to which it it succeeds, like what is success? Success is we forget that it's a show, right? Staying in pace with what already exists in this universe. I think that Mary's deal succeeds a little more, maybe than Sholo, not because of the acting, but because they let a lot of the backstory with Johnny and Miguel do the work of us believing what they're putting in in this season mm -hmm. and in this episode in particular and it doesn't always work for me in the sense that oh yeah i see what they're doing here i see their and i know that i know a little bit about screenwriting when you know the rules you can you can see what they're doing but in that i think i wish there would just been more dead time rather than kind of setups like i wish i had just seen johnny and miguel hanging out I wish that we had had a little more time with Miguel being okay with his situation before he was suddenly healed. Like one concert. I realize that there's a parallel that they're drawing here between Johnny and Mr. Miyagi. Like the hibachi grill that isn't, is like Johnny trying to be a sensei in another way, but he still has like magical curative powers. But I think a spinal injury on a show that is grounded in realism, like the thought that, that that's all the time we need to spend Obviously, we're going to see Miguel still catching up with physical therapy, but that's maybe for me the moment that the reality effect kind of comes apart a little bit. I think this episode highlights that a lot because the modern aspects of the show are putting Sam through PTSD. Like Daniel probably had PTSD in the original Karate Kid movies, but they just chose never to show it, right? No, it was all sublimated until Cobra Kai came about, right. the show, and now... Right, yeah, exactly. He's like, working it out now. Yeah, like, they kind of sketched over that. This is Sam's runner for the season, so we're definitely going to revisit this some more. All that to say, it's like, that's kind of where the rubber meets the road with Cobra Kai and how it works, is trying to reconcile those more fantastical elements of the old narrative with a new modern lens. They chose to play it a little bit more fantastical with Miguel, where his recovery is tough, but it's not insurmountable the way it would be like on a premium HBO drama series or whatever. I get that the Johnny training Miguel, just like Mr. Miyagi training Daniel, has always been a little fantastical, right? I mean, mm -hmm. there's no way... That a kid in real life, unless he's truly touched, like Daniel, could attain the the speed and the agility of someone like Johnny in the original tournament matchup, like in the time frame they had. So I get that there's an element of mystery here that is injected on purpose. I think that it's because the show does such a good job of grounding all these relationships. Mm -hmm. Honestly, it may come down to the set. Like, when we're in the hospital, I'm like, oh, we're in a soap opera. Which, of course, Cobra Kai has always been a soap opera. Right. Right? When we're in these therapeutic settings. And it makes no illusion about that either. In this case, I would have liked more time to see Miguel reckon with his injury. I would have liked to have seen more of Miguel relating beyond his frustration. I know that he's real frustrated, but we basically just get Johnny and Carmen's point of view on Miguel rather than Miguel's point of view that much this episode. And I would have liked to have seen more of Miguel during this time, as he's an object of worry. But again, it's a 30-minute episode. They they have so many things going on. It's true. Maybe Netflix should consider expanding that out next season, giving us a couple more episodes to kind of allow us to breathe a little bit more. I mean, you just have to think of all the things that happened this episode. We have Daniel going to Okinawa, finding redemption with Chosen. We have Johnny getting his groove back as a sensei. We have the lines being drawn between Johnny and Kreese, where Johnny threatens Kreese, and Kreese declares his intentions to approach a kid who matters to Johnny. Of course, Johnny 
looks like he's taking the wrong thing away from that, which is he's thinking it's going to be Miguel. Robbie and all the Miyagi-Do kids and the Cobra Kai kids are taking ever darker turns, Mm -hmm. right? Like I said, episode five of each season always has a big fight. And usually it brings our heroes further. But in this case, it's bringing our heroes to a place that it's going to be painful to watch them go. You know, Tori, I'm not sure if the show is interested in, you know, redeeming her or giving her balance. But with Hawk, for sure, we see that look on his face after he's broken Dimitri's arm. He feels bad. He's ambivalent about what he's done. Mm -hmm. All of these characters are being brought along their journey. Both Johnny and Daniel now have the knowledge they need to answer the call they refused, which is to, in Daniel's case, work with the rival again, i.e. Johnny. In Johnny's case, to take up the call of being a sensei again by other means. That's going to bring them together. With the kids, we don't yet know. Sam and Amanda have rebuilt their relationship differently. Amanda now sees Sam as a full person as opposed to just the kid that she's worried about. Mm -hmm. And Amanda just owns that last half of the episode. Like With everything happening in Okinawa, it would be easy to forget that. But that slap that she gives Martin Cove is Mm -hmm. just incredible. If it weren't for the Okinawa scenes, she would be the MVP of this episode for me. But for me, the MVP of this episode is chosen. Yuji Okamoto is just so excited to be there. You feel the energy of the kind man that he is and that they allow Chosen to be as well. And it's just delightful. I think that, yes, Chosen is definitely MVP of, well, I might give it to Gianni DiCenzo. Since you already gave yours to Yuji and Chosen, I'm going to give mine to Dimitri and Gianni because that's a tough scene to play. That's a good when point. When he gets his arm broke. And, I mean, Mary Mazza's reaction is pretty heartbreaking. But, yeah, Gianni has to do the dirty work in that scene and sell it. And he certainly does. Celery snap and all. Man. Yeah. Are you, are you doing the Foley work there? Is that the celery snap? In my mind, that's the, what the Foley work is. That's, <laughs> that's some old school. Yeah. Yeah. I would expect nothing less from this team. Were there any other things that you wanted to touch on before we get out of here? So obviously I'm spoiled for the rest of the season. But, you know, at this stage in the show, what I'm looking for is to see Daniel approach Johnny. Clearly, that's what Daniel wants because he wanted to reconcile Mm-hmm. He, that was he. He learned from that reconciliation. I'm eager to see how Miguel relates to the Cobras because we haven't really seen him talk to them except for Hawk. Mm-hmm. We haven't really seen him confront what Cobra Kai has become. So that's something else that I'm interested in. And poor Sam. I just really, at first, it seemed like the show was going to hand wave her trauma away early on in mm-hmm. the season, and now you know. They, they smartly are bringing it back and having that be a challenge that everyone has to work through together. I'm very curious how that's going to go down. I'm real mad at Hawk for what he did to Dimitri, but I think that little look on his face, well, it'll, it'll bring him to think twice. So I'm curious about that, to explore that in depth. And yeah, man, like, man, Robbie, huh? Robbie, huh? Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see how things unfold, especially going into season four, and not to spoil anything yet. But Robbie's journey in this season is very fascinating because it begins with a huge backslide into Robbie's old behaviors, and it doesn't necessarily improve from there. (laughs) I can't think of a show that has done this before, although maybe there are tons of them and my mind has slipped, but... That sets out a character like Robbie, who I disliked at the beginning. He was such a little jerk. Not even as if he was cunning like Johnny, but but meaner somehow, mm-hmm. even more cynical than Johnny as a kid. Then the show made me root for him. And now it's having him become the weaponized version of the person that I first disliked. Mm-hmm. And Tanner, when they're fighting and all the, the pathos that he brings to that and the investment he's beginning to make in, in striking first in the cynical mode, right, is just really going to be interesting and i think heartbreaking to see because you know as soon as he makes it to cobra kai he'll be the leader of the pack or will he or will he run afoul of rickenbacker well i've got more to say but we should probably we've got more to say but we've time but we've also got (laughs) right we've got more to say but we've also got uh, a bunch of episodes still to come this season so we'll have plenty of time to unpack some of these other issues indeed so please follow us on facebook like and follow us on twitter where we're always uh part of the latest cobra kai discussions or very at least liking pictures of lego cobra kai characters when we're not in the yard digging out bamboo which is something we've done that we kept i kept thinking Mm. 
could we possibly make the bamboo removal in our yard into a Miyagi-Do style training exercise? It already is. What have you learned? Never to put bamboo in the yard. I thought you were going to say, man who removes bamboo must learn that bamboo will always come back. Uh, person who removes bamboo will be fit for the entire summer. That's what I've learned. I have also learned that, that bamboo has the strongest root. So if anyone's looking for a plant parallel that isn't a bonsai tree. Yeah. The bamboo might be the way to go. I think Xander at Topanga is interested. So until then, please join us on social media and we will join you next time with Cobra Kai Season 3, Episode 6, King Cobra. King Cobra. Until then, I've been Colin Kennedy. I am Jenny Carlson. And we'll see you around the Miyagi-verse. See you around the Miyagi-verse. This podcast has been produced and hosted by Colin Kennedy and Jenny Carlson. Our music is by Chepo. You can find us at Karate Kid Pod on Twitter. And wherever you download podcasts.